There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover to Cover series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments. In the book of Genesis, we're going to kind of look through chapters 18 through 19 today. Uh, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20 uh, and 21, the father says, because their sin is very grave, I will go down now. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, I just thank you for this time of worship. And, and just as I know, many throughout the nation right now are hurting. So it's like kind of pain on top of pain and, and, and crisis on top of crisis. And Lord, I just pray that right now in the midst of the noise, that we would know that your word is truth and, and that we can have peace to be still and know that you are God. The God who sees and cares. That you are God with us. You are Emmanuel and you are the God who saves Yeshua, Jesus Thank you for that. Would our hearts and minds be open to, to experience you this morning, Father? We love you and praise you. In your son's name, amen. So again, guys, what we looked at last week as we were going through uh, the book of Genesis, with, with, and we looked at with really three main characters, so four, is Abraham, his wife, uh, Sarah, Hagar, their maidservant, and then God who sees. God Almighty looking down into that moment. And what we saw through this moment of, of Abraham's life is, to, is this truth that your sin is not isolated to yourself. That your sin is not something that uh, is just self-contained, but in fact, uh, it's something that has an effect that goes throughout and affects all people. And, and as we look at that, one of the things that we see is that on the positive side is that your sin is not something that is just self-contained to you and that it's not something that that is uncommon to man it says no sin is overtaking you except that is common to man so don't believe the lie that you're this horrible despicable how could you do such a thing that's the accuser speaking but instead you have a god who says i see you i see you in the midst of that and, and that we see that as hagar was caught in the middle of abraham's failure to lead and heeding the, the words of his wife like like adam did with eve as as hagar ran away we see a god who sees and cares and he revealed himself to her we see how god has always had a plan to deal with our sin and that god is faithful to his plan his word and his promises his promise that he will make all things new. He will make you new, give you a new name as he did with Abraham and Sarah. To know that your identity is not based on your actions, but actually on his and his character. To know that as God told Abraham that he is one who has called us to keep his promises, to watch and see, take hold of God's promises to you 
and see what the Lord will do. With that, we come to Genesis chapter 18. It says there, then the Lord appeared to him by the Tiberians trees of memory, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And again, if you look in your Bibles, you'll notice that the word Lord is actually in all capitals, L-O-R-D. This is not just the title, but this is in fact uh, the Jehovah Yahweh. It's the name of God. So this is God appeared to Abraham at this place. And it says, so he, meaning Abraham, lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if I have found now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought to you and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do what you have said. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. This is something that you see consistent in the, in, in the culture here. The Jewish culture is, is hospitality being very important. It all, all goes back to here that Abraham saw the Lord and, and wanted to bless him and prepare this meal as to take care of strangers, as we're told. To, to take care as we entertain strangers, as we may actually be entertaining angels. But these are not just angels here. This is, this is God, Jehovah. And, and these two other, I believe, two other angels that are coming with him. Now, just as a quick side note, you notice that they, they took this, this calf and he made butter and, and milk and he presented all of that. The reason I want to bring that up is the meal that it says that they eat, that God and the heavenly hosts are eating right now. It's not a kosher meal. It's a biblical meal. But, but there's uh, unfortunately a moment in scripture that gets twisted around uh, that says that you're not to eat uh, a kid uh, that is basically boiled or, or, or cooked in its mother's milk. And, and that's because there was a pagan practice of doing that. So this idea that has to do with life, but unfortunately taken out of context with this culture idea that you can't have cheese with meat. And, and this, this legalism that comes out of that really is a, is a misrepresentation of God's character. And, and all that just to say legalism of itself is completely a misrepresentation of God's character. But here's a moment where, where God just enjoyed this, this dairy and meat together a moment of hospitality that Abraham prepared for the Lord and these angels. It says then they said to him, then they said to him, "Where's your wife, uh, Sarah, your wife?" So he said, "Here in the tent." And he said, "I will certainly return to you according to the time of life." In about nine months, he says, "And behold, your behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son." Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind them. And as she's hearing this, and, and this is a moment for her, as, as, as Romans tells us in Romans chapter ten, verse. 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will they know unless someone has told them? And God is telling Abraham and Sarah, I'm telling you what I'm about to do. The same way we get to tell others about the amazing work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And how will they know unless we tell them? It says, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, 
Why did Sarah lie? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Of course, this is a rhetorical question. He's saying there is nothing too hard. You have no issue in your life that is too big for the Lord. And I also want to say nothing too small. As God is talking about the growth of this family and the intimate needs of a husband and wife. That he sees directly into your life. And there is no issue in your life that is inconsequential to God. But in fact, he cares about every aspect of your life. Nor do you have any sin or consequence or anything too great that the Lord cannot handle. He says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, there is not. And he tells her, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. Sarah shall have a son. And again, this is an amazing reminder for us. As told to us in 2 Timothy chapter 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God's actions to us are not based on our response, are not based on our actions, but are solely to his character and himself. And again, him being faithful to his promises that he is reminding them to hold those promises. See what I'm going to do. Because even if we are faithless, he remains faithful to himself because he cannot deny himself. Verse 15 says, but Sarah denied saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. Again, kind of this half truth. She didn't laugh out loud. It says within herself. Within, she was, she was laughing about how can this be? She was doubting and laughing within. And it says, and he, the Lord, said, no, you, you did laugh. Again, no, as we're told in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, you see the mind in the heart. Again, Jesus would have his entire Sermon on the Mount starting off with understanding that the, the, the heart of the matter was the matter of the heart. That, that to have murderous, in, it, just hatred and anger in our heart, though we may not carry out the action, it, it still is a sin. Adultery in the mind and heart was the same as adultery performed. Different consequences, but still a sin of the heart. Because the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. And so here, Jesus is it's letting her, I see you, the real you. See, again, these physical forms, this is just how we were able to interact and express our soul, us, our very being. And these bodies are just, they're the outward. That's why the Lord says, I don't look at the outward, but, but, I look at the heart. And so Sarah laughed within herself. He says, no, I see that. And you, you did. But he doesn't answer with anger, but just reaffirming his promise. To any who, who might find the message of the cross too simplistic, too, too, too ridiculous, as, as he speaks to the heart and says, but it's true. He reaffirms his promise to us. Because even if we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. Verse 16 says, the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in 
him. Again, God affirming he is going to complete the work in Abraham. Regardless of Abraham's uh, moments of, of not trusting, the moments of, of personal failure and, and telling lies, God says, I have a work to do in and through him, and I will see it to completion. Just as the same promise to you that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion to the day that Jesus takes us home to be with him. For I have known him, verse 19 says, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Again, God knows the work he's going to do in Abraham, and that Abraham will lead his children to know God. And so because of that, God is saying he wants to make Abraham like himself. Again, as we learn from the very first verse of the Bible, God has done all of this that we may know him. And not know about him, not have knowledge or information about him, but to know him personally, to have a relationship with him. Verse 20 says, And the Lord said, Because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very great, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. We think back as, as God had said about the, the land of the Amorites, that, that, that their sin was not yet full. As if this is a God saying, Sodom and Gomorrah, they have reached that place compared to the days of Noah where, where their, their sin has come to full ruin. Again, when we think about what James says about the fact that, that when we are tempted that when we have our, our temptation meets our sinful opportunity and it gives birth to sin and that when sin is full grown it gives death when sin is full grown it gives death and, and you gotta say sodom and gomorrah as in the the people of the days of noah their sin is full grown and he plans to personally come down and intervene Verse 22 says, the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood there before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Abraham, knowing about God's judgment and justice and that he says he will not let the guilty go unpunished. And Abraham knows about his, his nephew Lot in that area. And, and, and Abraham is concerned not just about Lot, it's really it's about Abraham is concerned about how, how people will, will view God. Will you punish the righteous with the wicked? Lord, we know. And as we go into verse 24 through, we're going to move really quickly because Abraham has a discussion and it's, a, it's an intervening on Abraham's part. And it says there in verse 24 Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a wicked thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so the righteous should be as the wicked? Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And we know again from Scripture, for any of those moments where we look at, at the world around us, we look at Scripture and go, well, I'm confused here. God's intervening in a way that doesn't seem consistent with his nature and character, and yet Scripture tells us that all his ways are just. That the Lord is, is righteous and good. All his ways are good. His ways are far above our ways. His thoughts far above our thoughts. And so in this moment, though, Abraham struggling with that. He goes to the person to ask. He goes to the person 
the Father who goes to God directly and asks. And so for any of us, when you see that moment, when you see an inconsistency within life, I, I, I commend you to, to, to put Jesus at the center of that and watch as any seemingly contradictions become solved in the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 26 says, the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. So God says, no, no, I wouldn't. I don't punish the righteous, but the wicked. I, I, I won't do that. It's just for, for their sake. And so there ends up being this dialogue where, where Abraham is going to go talking with God and say, well, what if there was 45? What if there was 40? And he keeps dwindling down and he basically asks him the same question over and over, uh, getting down to, okay, what if there were, were 10? So in verse 32, Abraham says, then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy for the sake of 10. So Abraham started with 50 and said, okay, okay, five, let's go. What about, what about if there's only 10? And the Lord said, even if there's 10, I will not do that. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but as long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Today, this Sunday, with, with, with what's going on in, in our nation right now, many might be crying and asking the question, where is justice? How, the, how is there a God who would allow such a thing? He, if there's a God of retribution, where is that? And they would call for the righteous retribution of God. And yet what God is saying here is to those today, as he says to that, is that for me to punish it, for my wrath to be poured out, I wouldn't do it if there's even 10 people 10 righteous people in that city because of his final judgment that is coming. The Lord is so patient to each one of us who cry and point out to injustice and sin and wickedness. We have all three of those fingers pointing right back at us. And it is only by the grace of God and his patience towards us that we have hope. We have hope in who he's made us to be, not because of our righteousness, but because he has clothed us and accounted us with his righteousness by faith. And the Lord is desiring that all should come to repentance, not willing that any should perish. See, but in this moment, this conversation, what's happening here is God knowing that, that Abraham would be someone who would be leading his family. And to do the work in Abraham that he has promised to do in us and to conform us into the image of Jesus. That in this moment, in this dialogue, it's, it's not God being caught off guard. It's, it's God doing a work in Abraham. As Abraham comes to him with the real question, and God is, is showing him his character over and over, conforming Abraham to be like him, to be like God the Son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus himself is the one who intercedes on our behalf, who says, not based on their actions, but based on their faith in who I am and what I've done for them, are they made righteous. As the enemy is the accuser, the son stands in the gap to make intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he has also been able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
Jesus is our great intercessor, and, and Abraham is being conformed into the image of the Son, just as God is doing in us to those who believe, who have been saved through that faith. He is doing that work in us, conforming into the image to make intercession for those. So what do we do in this moment? With the chaos around going, with this world seemingly fall apart, pray for them. Lord, would you spare them? Lord, would you be patient? Would you reveal yourself to them that they would know you as we have known him? To know him and to be fully known by him. That is the heart of the son. That is the heart that we should desire. That new heart that he would give us. His heart to be his hands and his feet. Verse 33 says, So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Verse 19 says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now it says that these two angels, I, I personally believe that as we saw the three in chapter 18, uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, and, and the two other men, that as the other two went forward, that those two angels are these two angels that we're seeing now. And as we see Lot sitting at the gate, this is this place of, of prominence to sit at the gate. This is where the leaders of a city would gather. It's where they would have their meetings and, and decisions would be made. Judgments would be doled out. If we think back to Lot, this is Lot who didn't seek the Lord when he was presented with a choice by Abraham, but instead chose the land that was reminded him of Egypt. In his selfishness, he chose possession only to become a possession. And then after being freed by his uncle, after defeating the kings and, and, and saving him, is that says that he, he continued to move near the city of Sodom, and now he's actually moved into the city. And is actually now a leader of this wicked city whose sin is fully grown. It says, when Lot saw them, the two angels, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly so they turned to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked them unleavened bread, and they ate. See, again, Lot being a leader of the city, he knew just how bad the city was. It was not safe for these men to stay out at night in this city. Scripture actually tells us that, that Lot entering into this, this leadership was in a place where his, it says his soul was, was vexed. He, he, was, he, was, he was overwhelmed by the level of wickedness himself. Now, verse 4 says, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all people from every quarter surrounding the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, we are the men who came, where are the men who came tonight? Bring us to them that we may know them carnally. Again, scripture is making this incredibly clear, all meaning all, all men from all corners of all quarters, young and old. All. And what they are desiring to do is they want to rape these two guys, these angels. And this is the same group of people, sadly, that were just recently rescued by Abraham. In that moment where God gave all credit to God. And again, Lot has been there. He's been a leader to know just how, how bad this is. It says verse 6, so Lot went out to them 
through a doorway, shut the door behind him and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since uh, since is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Now, I know Lot's soul was vexed by the wickedness, but again, as a father now, especially of, of two daughters, this turns my stomach and makes me sick. The father would even present this as an option. You, you look at the actions of this man. What a horrible, despicable man. To, to say a bad father isn't even to scratch what he is offering. He is offering evil for evil. And this is his witness. This is this, is this, this man who had all the, the appearances of a sojourner. Yet, as, as the one whose life has been choked out by, by the cares and concerns of this world, that Lot is, is someone who, in this moment, he, he is just completely ruining whatever witness he would have as one who would name himself a follower of God. He is, again, the witness. He he's what these people would, would see as a witness to who God is. He is these people's example of what a follower of God would look like. And it's, a, it's a, just a stark Reminder to us, sobering reminder. The world is watching you. What are you showing them? If you name yourself a follower of Christ, if you fly the banner of the Jesus who has saved you, are your actions revealing that? Or do you think that the means justify the ends? Or do, do you respond evil with evil? Or do you respond with the love of God? A love that always protects, doesn't think of itself. Verse 9 says, they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here and keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with him. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men stretched out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Then they, the angels, struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great. So they became weary trying to find the door. They became weary trying to find the door. That means that these men were so much more concerned with fulfilling their sexual desires with the fact that they were blind. They were so engrossed in just self-gratification. We miss the fact that they have been completely blinded. That is the world in this, in this moment apart from Christ. They don't realize the disparity of their blindness because they are so fixated with fulfilling their own selfish desires as we were apart from Christ. He's the one who makes the blind eye see, who opens the deaf ears. Not a moment for us to, to look down in condemnation because it is God who has that final judgment. Our heart should break for those, particularly as we get ready to see exactly what the end judgment is for those who in their blindness seek to satisfy their selfish desires. Verse 12 says, And the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-laws, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city. 
Take them out of this place, for we would destroy this place because of the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But his son-in-laws, to him, to them, they thought he was joking. He seemed to be joking to them. And again, this is the fruit. This is the sign of what Lot's witness as a believer has been in the city. Maybe he sat at the gate hoping to be a good witness. Many, many of those, this is for that person who thinks, oh, I'll go to the parties, I'll go to those things, and, and, and I'll be in there, and, and you know, because I want to be a light in the darkness. If you want to be a light, stand out staunchly different. Because a lot here he was mixing it up at the party. And because he allowed himself to give in to the, to the characteristics of the city around him, to respond evil with evil. His own son-in-law thought he was joking. When the time came, they didn't trust that the words he was speaking were the words of God because he had so marred his witness. Again, I think back in my high school days, and, and there's really not a time when this moment comes on that I don't remember attending the party myself in high school living a double life, claiming to be a Christian, getting drunk and, 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 and just completely wasted on Saturday and going to church hungover on Sunday, thinking of somehow being a light to the world because I said I was a, a believer because I said that there was one God. My life didn't show it. I won't for, forget being at one party and, and, and a guy I called a friend came up to me at one and looked at me, a non-believer looking me in the eyes and said, I never thought I'd see you here. You must be joking. Your words don't seem to, to be serious. If we don't take God's word seriously, then when we speak God's word, why would those around us think that it would be any different? And this is just a sobering reminder of how we live our lives to the world around us. We don't need to take on the world's nature to reach the world. Jesus said, you are salt and light. You're the city on the hill, not because of, of your actions, because of who he's made you to be. Don't try and hide the light of Christ in you. Stand proud, not in our self-righteousness, but proud in the message of who Jesus Christ has made us to be. And live a life of gratitude that reflects that. Verse 15 says, when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So even after all of this, Lot lingers. He's so attached to the things of this world. Man, God is so gracious. He doesn't leave Lot in that place. Because again, God is faithful to his promises, even when we are not. He cannot deny himself. God is faithful to who he is, again, even when we are not. And God will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. As we saw with Noah, God removed a man of righteousness by faith from his wrath 
And here again, in, in, a, in a time, in an area, though localized, is like the days of Noah where, where their sin has become full grown. And what is the consistency that God removes those, not because their actions are righteous, not because their deeds are good, but because by simple faith in who God is and who he said he is. By faith in God, we are made righteous. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Lot only because scripture tells us that he is righteous and we know that righteousness only comes by faith, that being a man of faith in who God is, God removes him from this moment before pouring out his wrath. And that is why as Pastor Jeff has been going through the book of Revelation, as we, we look at the chaos of the world around us, that, that I believe in, in a pre-tribulation removal of the church. That God will not pour his wrath out on his bride and as consistently as in with Noah, as in here with Lot. Not because of self-righteousness, but in righteousness by faith that God will remove those before he pours out his wrath on this world. And it is coming. As it says here in verse 17, so it came to pass when they brought them outside, they said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown by saving my life, me, saving, shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is, is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one, so please let me escape there. It is not... Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. God is telling Lot, he's going to destroy Sodom. God has taken Lot and his wife and his daughters from that city. And now Lot is questioning if where God is calling him to is good. And I'm here to tell you that there are going to be moments in your life where God's going to call you to a place and move you to a place. And please understand that if God would step out of eternity, step off down from his heavenly glory, to make a way for you to be with him for all eternity. He says, if he's done all of this to bring you into a relationship with him, to know that he is always going to be with you, holding you by your hand, and that whatever God has placed you, you can trust him to be there. You can trust that it is good. I get ready to end this morning. He says, and he said to him, See, I found favor concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow the city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. God is saying, because of my character, because I will not, I will not pour out my wrath for on the righteous. He is removing them from that area. So therefore the city was called Zor. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. And then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from out from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. It says there, but his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. It might seem a bit over, I mean, she, her home just got destroyed out of shock when she looked back out of but scripture again being the greatest commentary in scripture tells us it wasn't out of shock it was a longing to return back to that full-grown sin wickedness luke chapter 17 verse 32 and 33 says remember lot's wife and with that setup he says whoever seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it 
to trust your life in the hands of God Almighty, the Savior who loves you, to give your life to him. That's, that's where true preserving life comes from. But to seek all your own means to save your life always brings destruction. With that this morning, as we, we get ready to finally clear out what we'll pick back up next week. There's just a few application points for us this morning. Again, to, to remember that God is faithful even when we are not. Even when we dismiss his promises, he is faithful to his word. God knows your thoughts and your heart's desires. and He wants to be the desire of your heart and mind. Self-desire and self-satisfaction will always bring destruction. But the just shall live by faith. We have a God of redemption. By faith we are made new, called the righteous, not based on our actions or our motivations, but by trusting in the faithful character of a just and merciful Savior. And during a time right now where it seems like chaos is all around, some may look at this world and say, sin is full grown. God, what, where are you? Bring your swift justice. And yet God says, I brought justice on the cross. There is a day coming soon, I believe very soon, when the wrath of God will be poured out on the sin of this world. We have a God who is patient, willing to be completely misunderstood by so many around him right now, willing to, to, to be mocked because he is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to know him and to be fully known by him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that as we, we come to you, God, we've been praying for months for you to heal this land. Well, I, I pray for a complete healing, a turning to you. God, as so many, again, are, are, are feeling lost and confused, would we, your church, not have a witness marred by taking on the nature of this world, but stand firmly in who you have made us to be? You have called us salt and light, and you have promised to continue to do that work. Thank you for your faithfulness not being based on our ability to, to perform, but on your completed work of your son on the cross. Father, we thank you. We praise you. In your son's name, amen. The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at Sicko's Beat Suck 797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal. <laughs>